0: faithfulness. You see that fifth verse? Next to them, so you're listing all these faithful builders. That's all they're doing. They're not fancy. They just put the block in there. Another row. Besides all those faithful people, you have these words, 3-5, and next to them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. I'm not So happy that God records my laziness as well as my faithfulness. So the Holy Spirit, think about this. Distinctly names and singles a group of people out. Technically, they had not done anything evil. They didn't rob any of the other workers. They didn't take off with other people's wives. In fact, they didn't actually do anything to hinder the work of others at all. Here's the problem. They simply didn't put their hands to the work themselves. And God says, there's their name right there, right there. And so these reminders of God's attentiveness to individuals, right down to the recording of their names, it's to help us live our Christian lives mindfully, to keep our destiny before us, never to merely please people, not to be one thing in public and another thing in private. After all, God didn't need to write down those names so he wouldn't forget. God is not suffering from any form of dementia. He remembers absolutely everything perfectly. Why are the names there? Well, he wrote those names so we wouldn't forget their permanent testimony, either to faithfully serving the Lord in some regular fashion or the punishment of ignoring what God has placed at our hand to do. Both are recorded in this text. We get it from Jesus, too. I buried your talent in the ground here. Remember? Four. Notice the emphasis on entry points and exit points at the city walls. Verse 1, the sheep gate. Verse 3, the fish gate. Verse 6, the Jeshunua gate. Verse 13, the valley gate. 14, the dung gate. 15, the fountain gate. 28, the horse gate. 31, the inspection gate. And I know I've got probably 17, 18 books on Nehemiah. And there are all sorts of really weird expositions, usually written long ago, where they find wonderful symbolism in all the names of the gates. Sometimes it's stretched a little too far. I get it. But allow me a point of application that I think is simple and clear. You don't have to be a mystic to see. Whatever else is meant... At least this much is certain, we know. Gates, you got a walled city. A lot of people on the inside. A lot of enemies on the outside. Gates were very important when you lived in a walled city because gates represented the means of both access and egress. Going in, coming out. Everything entered and everything exited. That city... Through the gates, gates mattered. fact, if you controlled anything about the city it would be by keeping the gates. You control the quality of life inside the city by how you manage the traffic at the gates. Now think about a life. A city could be ruined by what it allowed in it could be ruined by what it refused to put out. And I think you can see the point of application to the rebuilding of our lives because the scriptures actually do talk a great deal about the gates of my life. The things I allow to enter and the things I allow to leave are crucially important to the life inside my heart. So A... There are things we allow into our lives to our own destruction. You know these verses, Matthew 5:29 and 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Yes, Jesus is the one who talks the most about hell, not Paul, Jesus. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. And I want you to notice the emphasis on the the first entry points. Find your weakness. Discover the things that bring sin into your heart. Fix your attention on the entry points of your life because your eternal destiny hangs. He talks about hell. Your eternal destiny hangs on your willingness to deal ruthlessly with the entry points of sin. Matthew 13, 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. Have you ever seen close-up I don't know how often it happens. Have you ever seen close-up somebody swallow something in a restaurant or at a table and look like they were choking? How many ever seen that? I saw it close-up. I saw it with my brother, my old second oldest brother. It was in a restaurant, and he could not get air, and he was turning red, and somebody came and grabbed him. I didn't. Somebody came and grabbed him and did the Heimlich thing, and, and he was, I thought he was checking out. Choking. Choking's a terrible thing. You can't get air. Choking. Jesus says the cares of life and the love of money, that's what they're doing to your soul. Just choking the life out of it. I take that to mean sin isn't always maybe openly destructive the things that grow, the thorns. It doesn't always devastate instantly. Here's another one, the things we let into our lives. Ephesians 4, 27, be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. That word opportunity, the Greek word is topos, Anybody think of an English word we get from topos? Think of a map. Topography. Topography. It's striking. Like a place on a map. Paul is warning if you if you cherish anger against anybody, if you hold on to it, it's like it's like saying, Here, Satan, this place right here. A place. It's yours. I I turn this over to you. Cherished anger in your life is like saying to the devil, "I I want you to have this spot. Topos. Topography. I'll give you that geography of my life. It's yours. There are also things that we allow out of our lives that should be kept in, and I'm... Wrapping up. Revelation 2, 4, and 5 are priceless words where Jesus looks at a church, a specific congregation that Jesus looks at. And here's what he says. I have this against you. You've abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. Do the works you did at first. And then the warning, if not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So so those words are a specific warning to a church that had done a lot of things right. This is a church that had kept a lot of things out that it was supposed to keep out. You can see it in, in Revelation two. Too. Same congregation. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and look, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested all those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. Here's a church that has kept false teaching out. And that was good. Jesus said it was good. They kept it out they were watching it they were monitoring it they were observing it carefully and they kept it out but while that was happening there was something that they let slip away and they didn't notice it happening that's the way it is when love for jesus cools you you never see it in its early stages you never see it in its early stages You have moments, don't you? I, I, I search my heart for them, where you think of, am, am I at the same place where I was here or I was then or at that stage of my spiritual walk, that stage where God was working in my heart in this way? Am I, am I still there? Am I losing ground? Am I cooling off? You don't, have to, you don't have to have any false doctrine. It's just the temperature of your soul. Jesus looks at this church. You've left. You've left your first love. You let it. You. You didn't keep it in. You let it out. Gates. It just. It just kind of slipped away. Here's something else. No, I'm going to leave that out. I want to. Paul says our lives to be full of good works, full. James says that there's spiritual drainage that takes place when we know what we ought to do and we don't do it. The writer of Proverbs says, keep your heart with all diligence. It's the gates. It's another way of saying it. Life is never determined merely by the conclusion of things. Life is largely shaped at at the beginning of things before they're noticed, things that are allowed in, things that are, let slip away. I remember, and I'm just going to read this in closing. It's not a tremendously deep book, but I can still remember reading these. It's, he's a Christian, though it's not an overtly religious book. Jim Ron's book, The Formula for Failure and Success. And I, I wrote it down. Listen to these words, and then think about gates. The things we let in that we shouldn't, the things that slip away without our notice. Failure is not a single cataclysmic event. We do not fail overnight. Failure is the inevitable result of an accumulation of poor thinking and poor choices. To put it more simply... Failure is nothing more than a few errors in judgment that are repeated every day. Now, why, you may ask, would someone make an error in judgment and then be so foolish as to repeat it every day? And the answer is because he or she does not think it matters. On their own, this is good, on their own, our daily acts don't normally seem that important a minor oversight a poor decision a wasted hour or two doesn't usually result in a measurable instant impact more often than not i'm thinking about leaving your first love for example more often than not we escape from any immediate consequences But the pain and regret of these errors in judgment have only been delayed for a future time. Consequences are seldom instant. Instead, they accumulate until the inevitable day of reckoning finally arrives. Judgment for choices that never seem to matter. Nothing terrible happens to us right away, and since there are no instant consequences to capture our attention, we simply drift from one day to the next, repeating errors, thinking wrong thoughts, listening to wrong voices, making wrong choices. The sky didn't fall on us yesterday, and it probably won't today. So these things seem harmless. Since it seemed to have no measurable consequence, it's probably safe just to keep repeating it. So here are the lessons from tonight. Build your life around commitment to fellowship in the body of Christ. You cannot grow in Jesus by yourself. You cannot grow in Jesus by yourself. Secondly, Remind yourself of a God who records names. Faithfulness matters, even if nobody else praises you for it. Carelessness is destructive. A First love can slip away, even if you don't notice it right away. And third, watch the gates. The things you allow in in the first steps, the things you allow in, the things you allow to slip away and that'll keep God's glory on the rest of your life. Preachers do this all the time. When I say and everybody said, and you say amen, what you're saying is, that's the kind of truth I need to apply to my life. And everybody said,